Hi there, and welcome to another special episode on the Not Just For Kids Movie Club. My name's Russell and I'm your host. I'm a father of two and who loves films, and this is the podcast that covers both of those. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to hear from some of the creatives behind a brand new horror comedy. So we've gone two of the stars of indie horror gem When the Screaming Starts, which is premiering at this year's Fright Fest. A reminder that Not Just For Kids is recorded virtually, which means there may be occasional audio issues, but does mean we can get a terrific guest wherever they are in the world. So let's talk everything when the screaming starts. I'm Norman Graysmith, a documentary filmmaker. And when I stumbled upon Aidan Mendel, I knew I'd found the subject for my next story. You said you had something to tell me. We're going to start a family. Wow. Like Charles Manson. So today we're joined by Kellen and Ed, who both feature in the fabulous new comedy mockumentary, When the Screaming Starts. So thank you both so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. um, First, congratulations on the film. I thought it was a really great indie gem. I'm excited for it to play at Fright Fest and see uh, what audiences think of it. But I had a really fun time of it when I watched it this morning. So it was really a great film to watch. First, could I guess, could Caitlin, could you kind of give us the basic setup and plot of the film? And then can you both tell us what your roles are in the film? Yeah, so... um... The basic plot, without giving away any spoilers, um, is there is a documentary filmmaker or aspiring filmmaker um, who wants to explore the obsession with serial killers. And so he finds Aidan Mendel, who is an aspiring serial killer, and follows him on his journey to become a fully fledged serial killer. And... um, follows what happens along the way and how he uh, achieves his his goals without spoiling too much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who do you both play? So, uh, Ed, who do you play in the film? Uh, so I play Aidan Mendel, the aspiring serial killer, and um, the co-writer with the director, Connor Baruch. I'm Claire. Um, she is Aidan's girlfriend, um, and she is a, a aspiring photographer, um, and she enjoys mostly um, morbid photography, specifically of um, death and destruction. <laughs> yes, you, you two are very much, when we when the film starts, you're very early on, we meet you and we kind of get to know who your characters are. And then as the plot progresses, you kind of go on journeys each of, of who you are and what you're, what you're going to become, I guess, by the end. So it was really interesting to watch uh, your two characters and where they go from the start to the end. Um, how was it yeah. making this film? So was it heavily scripted or did you have room to improvise? Like, uh, how did that kind of work? Yeah, well, um, they had a great script that we went off of that was mostly um, planned out with text and everything. Um, so we would usually do the scene um, as written first and then we would kind of play around with it from there. So um, yeah, a lot of it was going off of what Ed had written um, and then kind of making it our own, doing a few takes slightly differently, maybe ad-libbing here and there. That was quite fun um, because sometimes you're very, it's very strict with the text, um, but it was really nice that Ed let us explore different things and kind of play around to see what worked. So Ed, you were there from the start. So you kind of, I guess, were part of the gestation of this idea and saw it kind of shaped and where it went to in the kind of end film that we get. Yeah, yeah. So the kind of original idea for it all came from uh, 
reviewing the Ted Bundy tapes for the London Horror Society and kind of watching it and thinking, this is horrendous, yeah. but I can't look away. And kind of questioning then, well, what did that say about me? What does that say about all of us that we were watching this? I mean, they were, it was such a, a successful documentary series. And I was talking through a few projects with Connor, the director, and we kind of, yeah, pushed this idea of what it would be like to look at someone aspiring to be that. Uh, I know Connor's very interested in the idea of you know, people's ambition and um, the lengths that we'll go to to achieve that, because it's a very relatable thing. It's something that we all all have, but this is just a very warped version of it. Um, and, you know, Caitlin, you're saying about kind of improvisation, we, we wanted that from the from the very start we knew that we wanted to be able to get that um but to write the script in such a way that the actors would be kind of comfortable doing that and would be able to to throw in their own ideas um you know whether it's a line here and there or even a kind of larger sequence that kind of came from the brilliant stuff that they were doing on set was there much um i guess pre-shooting development or did it all sort of happen as you were shooting did you kind of get the cast together and do any kind of workshopping or was it all kind of in the room as as the camera was rolling it was it was largely in the room as the camera was rolling I mean the development of the script was um kind of the best part of a year with uh Connor myself and uh, another lead actor in the film Jared Rogers who plays the aspiring filmmaker um we worked in it for for a long time so we had a very clear idea of what we wanted and then you know kind of talked it all through with with the actors uh, getting them into the right headspace for it all so that we had this freedom to to play around with it and the cinematographer adrian musto is very experienced in terms of filmmaking with documentaries and so connor was able to give him a lot of free reign in terms of choosing when to make these little punches in when to kind of pan across and in a way, there was a little bit of improvisation there as well. So it was a very kind of free, well, we were trying to make it quite a free set yeah, yeah. to develop it. Um, how does it feel? So this film is premiering at Fright Fest as part of their uh, First Blood initiative. And I, so I'm a big Fright Fest fan and a big fan of this initiative because I get to watch really great uh, indie, often British uh, horrors come through and they always have this kind of, energy to them that's really exciting so I wonder how you felt about showing this uh, film to the world for the first time at Fright Fest. I'm just so glad that all of the hard work that we put into it and all the passion that everyone has put into it will get to be seen by um, all of these people who also have the passion for these kind of films. Um, I think it's the perfect kind of way to present it to the world um and let people know about it um yeah i was on the fright fest page refreshing <laughs> waiting for it to come out see it on the on the official website i'm absolutely thrilled and i'm so excited to see it yeah i i kind of echo that really i mean i'm i'm a i'm a quite big horror fan and fright fest has been somewhere i've wanted to get a film for for a long time um i mean it just gives me an excuse to go to fright fest which is brilliant so um we we really wanted this to be where we had our our kind of world premiere you know it's it's in our 
our hometown um it's such a good festival so yeah we're just really excited to actually get this in front of people and you know people who are really into horror and know their stuff so yeah very excited <laughs> i'm sure the audience will love it because it, it is uh well funny and engaging it's also got this kind of quite nice sadness to it quite there's quite a nice melancholy to a lot of the characters they're kind of all a bit trying to find their place most of them and it's really interesting to watch that kind of become more prominent as the film goes on um Mm. so this podcast looks at the films we grew up with and one of the genres I grew up with was horror so I watched far too many horrors at at a young age um was this a formative genre for you did I you come to horror as you've grown up or is it something that you kind of if interested, take an interest later on in your life, but I guess, Ed first? I I, I grew up with horror. I, <laughs> I, I saw I saw films that terrified me and they really, it was kind of like really bad horror films that shouldn't have terrified me. And so I kind of went, well, I, I need to actually get good at this. I need to kind of up my resistance to the fear. Um, I absolutely love the genre. Um, but even just, I think as a child, it was films that aren't necessarily horror, but they are. They are secret horrors that have been snuck in, like um, The Dark Crystal, the Jim Henson, Frank Oz yeah. uh, film. Utterly terrifying. <laughs> but you probably wouldn't find that in a, a kind of, I was about to say, in the horror genre blockbusters. That's a very dated <laughs> reference, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely love it. Are you a fan, Caitlin, at all of horror, or or is it? Yeah, I'm. I kind of similar. I I'm the one behind the couch. I'm. I want to watch, but I'm also terrified. Um, my brother's really into the bizarre indie horrors and stuff. Like he'll show me just these strange Scandinavian horrors and and things like that. I I similarly like the more psychological horrors, you know, things like Shutter Island or uh Let Me In, things like that that are yeah. not too gruesome. Ghost things, paranormal activity, not a chance. No way. I'm <laughs> I'm out. I saw the woman in black and I was like never again. <laughs> but um things that more psychological and I love true crime. I listen to true crime podcasts. I I am one of those weird people that will you know, watch those documentaries on Netflix, and it like my boyfriend will come into the room and he's like, "What are you watching? <laughs> this is terrifying." It's weird that the true crime stuff doesn't really scare me, but that's the stuff that could actually happen in real life. And well, depending on what you believe in, like the ghost stuff, I'm like, "Nope, can't watch that." But yeah, I'm fascinated by all of it. I mean, ghosts terrifying. Ghosts, it's one of the genres I've always been scared of, and there are definitely ghost stories. I've watched once and will just never revisit because they uh, scared me and made me, um, I feel in a great emotional weight with ghost stories. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. you're allowed to be scared of ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so this film is a mockumentary and I have a real soft spot for this format. I really enjoy films and TV shows that kind of do it. I, I wonder how it felt making a mockumentary and, and do you have any favourites of the genre? Do you have any that kind of, were touch points going into this or or that you've loved for a while? I think in terms of touch points, when we were kind of working on the script, very much um, what we do in the shadows came up uh, a huge amount. Um, at the very, very beginning of, 
were looking at the, the film. I think a kind of murderous spinal tap is how I was <laughs> thinking of it. Um, yeah. So it's, the, it's those kind of mockumentaries that I, I absolutely love. And I know Connor's a, a big kind of big fan of The Office and those and this country, those kind of British mockumentary series that are kind of show drab parts yeah. of the yeah. UK. Yeah. I mean, I was living in Slough when we were uh, filming this, so I feel I can say <laughs> that Slough is good. <laughs> but I, I don't know how it felt making a, a mockumentary. It just kind of just felt very exciting that we were trying stuff out on the day. I don't know if that's the same for you, Caitlin. Yeah, definitely. I loved the style. I same love what we do in the shadows, the office. I'm currently watching Parks and Rec. So I love the breaking that fourth wall um, and making the camera that, you know, third character in the scene. Um, and it gives you so much to play with. And I think that's where a lot of the improvisation came in too, because it's just how you feel in that moment and how you're going to incorporate the camera as that other character in that moment, um, which is not really something that you can necessarily write out in a script. It's just how it kind of comes out naturally. Um, and that's what makes it feel documentary and it makes it feel real is because it's just how you're reacting in that moment. Um, I loved playing around with it. I thought it was great fun. Let's see that you both said what we do in the shadows makes my heart lift because love the film, love the TV show, love everything about that. It's definitely a comfort watch for me, all that stuff. Cause it's just funny and sweet and endearing, but also, you know, about vampires killing people. So I love it. Um, <laughs> And yeah, what I really liked about this, well, there were two things. So one, I think you get the relationship with the camera is really interesting, like who's filming and what they're filming and who's uh, communicating with the camera is really interesting. And where the, when the camera's um, almost an invisible observer and when it's actually a, almost an active participant. And the other thing that I really liked about this film was that every single character feels uh, like a real person. They feel like they've got a real life. They've got like a real story around them. Even if they only pop on for... A scene or two they, they still feel like you've taken the care to create a roster of characters that are funny and interesting and likable well not always likable but at least feel like people so I really liked that so I, yeah, I think this is a really uh quite skillfully put together documentary so yeah again it's great <laughs> <laughs> um so one so it premieres this weekend it premieres on Saturday and then it's playing on Sunday and I believe it's playing at the digital add-on of Fright Fest. So there's loads of opportunity for people to watch it. Uh, where will the film go once it's had its sort of Fright Fest screenings? Do you have other festivals in mind? Do you know if it's going to get a release soon? What, what do you think the journey is next for uh, this film? We've, we're kind of uh, very much taking a, a kind of festival circuit kind of approach with this. Um, we've got a few got a few lined up that we'll be announcing fairly soon um, <laughs> which is very exciting it's it's very hard to just not go oh we've got this this coming up because we're really excited about it um and just at the moment we really want to get this in front of audiences and yeah see what they make of it and then i think you know what comes from that hopefully will uh, 
involve even more people seeing this uh, ridiculous film. Good. Uh, yeah, I'll be recommending it to people to go off and watch. Um, in terms of, um, so in terms of the films you watched growing up, what, what do you have one or two films each that kind of stayed with you that kind of have impacted your taste in films? And my go-to answer for this are Jaws, Jurassic Park and Batman Returns because two of those have been obsessed with since I was like four, maybe. And one gave me a recurring nightmare of sharks and has changed my relationship with an entire part of the world because I just basically am never comfortable in a large body of water because of this one film. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess, Caitlin, what are the kind of those films for you? Oh, gosh. Um, I, uh, I grew up on classic Hollywood musicals. Um, and that brought me into the world of theater and, and that kind of stuff. So things like Singing in the Rain and then more modern. Uh, I love films like Across the Universe, Julie Taymor, just really bizarre um, take on musical and bringing the uh, jukebox Beatles thing into it. At, at, not everyone's into musicals, but I find um, any kind of movie that creates a, a new take on uh, bringing music into a story uh, is really exciting. So things like, yeah, across the universe or then going back to the old classics like Rogers Hammerstein stuff, but um, which is probably the total opposite of what Ed is going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably can get much more opposite. I think the, the film that as I think is like the the film that has stuck with me the most um, because I saw it when I was far too young, um, but I've shown it um, because because I wanted to be an actor and um, so the obvious response to a young child wanting to be an actor is to show them Silence of the Lambs uh, <laughs> specifically for Anthony Hopkins and I mean utterly terrified by it. But it is it is brilliant and it's haunting and it's so clever. And then I suppose I've already mentioned it already, but um, the Dark Crystal, just that kind of dark fantasy that's utterly terrifying, but is also um, a kind of quote unquote children's film. And then if I'm going to wrap it off, I suppose I've got to mention Shaun of the Dead. So I was obviously. Yeah. Not a very young child watching that, but um, yeah, that that kind of was the film that went. Oh, okay, you can you can make a really good cinematic film that's very British, but actually can cross over to people who haven't maybe watched Spaced or something. Um, and I mean, it's got zombies. What more could you want from a film? <laughs> Yeah, I think Shaun of the Dead is a really um, interesting film for British cinema because I think it's like this inflection point that kind of creatives, as you say, could go off and be like, well, we don't have to make a British film. We can make a film that will cross over to America, that can cross over around the world that's kind of exciting and engaging and has all these other elements to it. Yeah, and uh, I love a good musical. Musicals are great fun. I, I studied musicals for a term at university. We watched a lot of musicals there. Um, Amazing. But yeah. Yeah, musicals are good fun. So maybe do a, a Science of the Lambs musical, maybe get the right Science of the Lambs and whack in a few show tunes and it'll be a big, a big hit. Follow-up <laughs> sorted, we've got that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking the time 
to talk about your film today. My final question is where can people go off and keep an eye on its progress uh, now that it's kind of being shown to the world? Where can people follow where they can see it or, or when you know it's kind of wider release? Where's the best place for people to go for that? Best place is our, our social media pages. So uh, Twitter at When Screaming and Instagram and Facebook at When The Screaming Starts. And hopefully I have remembered them perfectly because that always throws me. Yeah, I'll put them all in the show notes so people can go off and and follow this and see where it goes next. Because, yeah, as I said, great fun of it. It was a really good film. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. This is Weapons Training 101. Stop breathing! It's just practice. As ever... Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Not Just For Kids Movie Club. And thank you so much to Ed and Caitlin for taking the time to chat about their new film. I had a terrific time with When the Screaming Starts, and I think you should all seek it out and maybe give it a watch during the digital aspect of Fright Fest. And look at the whole lineup for that online festival, because it's a cavalcade of genre treats and can be watched by anyone in the UK. If you want to get in touch with us on follow dates, you can find us on Twitter, Letterboxd and Instagram at Adults2Pod. Our email address is not just forget podcast at gmail.com. And if you've been listening lately and thought you'd like to come on and talk about family films, well, why not send us an email? We love talking about all kinds of family film films or films you grew up with. And as today has proved, I will literally talk about any film with anyone, as long as I think it's a really great film worth our time. But as ever, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you real soon with even more special one-off episodes and terrific guests talking about their amazing new films. So thanks. And we'll see you soon.